Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey, cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I am thrilled, Josh, to announce this week on the Always Cheating Podcast, I am a Crystal Palace fan. Oh, yeah. Send me to Selhurst <laughs> Park, man. <laughs> they were irresistible against Manchester United. Irresistible. I wanted to clap when they came off the team bus. You know, I wanted to be there. <laughs> Neither of us had Man United players. I, I was so... Like, I don't want to about that match. I had a good morning. I, I brought in James Rodriguez. I was feeling good about yeah. my, my team. I got a brace from, from Mitrovic. Uh, I was like, okay, this is everything is good. And now this Man United match is going to kill me, you know, <laughs> without right. any players. And so I actually went, I went out and uh, I went with my daughter. We bought, a, we bought a new goldfish. Okay. It was like a, it was a real <laughs> day. Purchase. We got, got in a car and bought a goldfish. So yeah. uh, I got back and was delighted to find out that it was, <laughs> it was a Three nil yeah. match, and, and maybe in, or three three one. That is, it, in hindsight, it, with with the one goal being uh, Donny Vanderbeek unassisted uh, goal, which is just amazing. Yeah. Um, so, in hindsight, maybe a little clear that Man United would need a little more time to um, adjust. I mean, you know, I, I don't think they had played a single match. I don't think they'd even played a friendly for. I know they played like a, a closed door one with Aston Villa or whatever, but um, you know, Palace already played twice. They played last weekend and then they played at midweek. So a lot more match experience and that, you yeah. know, in hindsight, of course, that was going to be a factor. And in addition to some preseason matches, which, okay, so the Palace-Manchester United match was twofold for me. Uh, first of all, as we talked about, Martial was a big target for us. Ings to yeah. Martial, let's do it. And I ended up 
making other changes in my team that we'll talk about in a little bit. And I was scared of what the potential could have been going into United Palace. Was Martial going to go off? Did I miss an opportunity there? What ended up happening was being reminded of the opportunity that I missed with Wilfred Zaha, because we we were talking about putting our game week one squads together and I kind of thought I was crazy. I didn't think mm-hmm. you disagreed with me that I had Zaha in my my tinker uh, before the game week one deadline. And no, I called was... him bad on the podcast. I straight <laughs> uh, yeah. up was like Zaha because he was he was bad last year. He was he he wanted to leave the club. They didn't sell him, and he yeah. sulked for a for a whole season. He looks right. like a completely different player two weeks into this season. It's a. I mean, it's it's really the question that we will seek to answer for the rest of our FPL careers is, do our eyes deceive us? Do our eyes deceive years of experience? And Zaha has been like Hazard light in terms of FPL torment. Zaha will have moments of brilliance. You bring him in and you wait a month for him to even come close to replicating that. And ultimately, I didn't have the courage to go with what my eye test was telling me preseason. And now I have the unesteemed privilege of sitting here telling you, well... I had targeted him correctly preseason. <laughs> but this um, is but, it's relevant though because yeah. you are now you're on your wild card. Brandon's wild card is active. Yeah. Any podcast where the where the where one of the hosts has a wild card, there's a little extra juice on that podcast, Brandon. There's a lot going on. Your mm-hmm. your 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 fantasy brain is on fire right now. So yeah. and I think it's relevant to talk about this stuff too, because there is kind of like a Schrodinger's cat type thing that happens sometimes where you're like, do I actually want this player or is there this, this knowledge that the FPL community is, I actually don't even know if Shurker's cat is really like irrelevant. Uh, you know, I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> Probably pretentious. Uh, but you know, like is, is the FPL community and the sort of osmosis of these players, like Daniel Podden's being kind of the perfect example. Is Daniel Podden's a great fantasy pick or is he somebody that everybody is talking about? And now that's going to like infest my brain and, yeah. and change my own perspective on this. Am I going to, are you going to, you know, is, do you, are you going to out Zaha yourself or are you just going to listen <laughs> to good advice, you know, and yeah. bring in and bring in a player who you should. Yeah. It is tricky. And I'm on my wild card. A lot of managers out there would say it's too early to wild card because we're still just getting a handle on the season. And I do agree with that. But um, and and Potence is a good example where you're saying, what do we actually really know about Potence just yet right. after just what I mean? And we're recording this Sunday evening, as is our wanted always cheating. And we haven't yet seen them play against Manchester City. There's a lot more to learn about Wolves. Um, who looked brilliant against Sheffield United last weekend. Yep. Um, I don't know. And I think triggering my wild card, I'm not here to say, hey, I've got the correct bead on all these players now, and I'm ready to create the best team. Uh, with the wild card, I think it's more just an admission of the structural integrity of my FPL team coming out of game week two is yep. bad. Yeah. We have not passed inspection. We need right. a rebuild. And yep. the rebuild is to put you in 
in a better situation to make further moves. And I burned four going into game week two with the expectation that I'd burn four again going into game week three. And the wild card that I'm playing going into game week three now isn't me saying, well, I'm going to get it right this time. I fully expect to be burning points and tinkering through game weeks four all the way till Christmas. That's just the way it's all the way be. to game week 38, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we're going to talk about wild cards in, in just a second here, because the, the theme of this episode is well as wild card talk. And, you know, even if you're not on a wild card this week, I think it's useful to think about because, um, you know, the first thing I do when I look at a wild card is I start to look at the fixtures ahead. Right. It's obviously form. But you, you know, the form players are ready. I mean, we already kind of yeah. know who those players are. It's but you know, if, if you know, if they're in form and then the three of their next four are difficult away matches, then that has to at least be a consideration that you that you factor in. Um, yeah. You know, certainly, especially when it comes to to defenders. I mean, someone like uh, um, uh, Castagna, the the Leicester defender, really attractive pick. Can't does, stand you, <laughs> uh, but does play Chef's away. Rock star, but does play away to. Uh, um, Man City in game week three, right? So that is a factor that you have to, to weigh in when you bring in a 5.5 million defender. So uh, game week two, it's whatever it is, eight-tenths of the week included. Two matches tomorrow. Interestingly enough, even though there's a Man City squad playing, um, not massive, I would say, fantasy implications for a lot of managers. But Kevin De Bruyne's ownership is uh, annoyingly high already, I will say. Yeah. I think that it's something like is it 30% already? It's, it's too high. It's 33%. Oh God. So if he goes off tomorrow, <laughs> we're, all in tr- we're all in trouble. Yeah. Um, it's been a very strange game week. Uh, one of the wildest I can remember, uh, this, especially this early on in the season, um, I'm on 59 points. I still have uh remain says to play tomorrow. Um, 59 points feels pretty good in some ways. I, the one move I made was was Bowen to uh, James Rodriguez, and that was a that was a ten point swing. I didn't burn points. I didn't lose my mind. I, I followed kind of r- route one fantasy, which is look at your team, find the weakest link, fix it. Right, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. simple. Um, didn't you know? And I I didn't go for the sexy Manana players. I just went for the boom. That's the best pick for this situation. Um, and so honestly, it, it would have been even worse if it were, you know. And I got eleven points from Ings, twelve from Mitrovic. Um, Aubameyang, fine, whatever, five points, um, shows just that he's just not really worth it as a, uh, 12 million, <clears throat> mm-hmm. as a 12 million fantasy asset. Um, and so 59 and with one to go, I, you know, it feels okay. It's, but you know, I think the, the, you know, what, what made everything so, and I, I'd probably be in a green arrow if it were not for two players, uh, <laughs> one being Hung Ming Sun, the other being Harry Kane and the absolute annihilation that uh took place this morning five two does not paint a picture of what a honestly it was really it was kind of like the first half was reasonably i don't know was it competitive it was a little more competitive at least yeah yeah and then it was a little bit like remember that man city newcastle match where uh aguero scored five goals um sure. game week game week eight four years mm-hmm. ago or something like that i remember it distinctly because i believe i had aguero captained yeah, me too. And he was, you know, he was very popular captain pick that week. Um, <laughs> the, so, no, but I just mean like he, we you know, all it was, did. <laughs> but it was a little different in that situation because this was like a like you know a ton of people had transferred 
sun out going into this game week. I mean, the, John Arboroth uh, tweeted us and said, uh, it's probably the worst moment of my 10 years playing FBL. Uh, was turning on the phone after a great afternoon with my other half to see that Sun, who I just sold for Rashford, had done his thing. Mm-hmm. Any tips to make fantasy fun again after this type of situation? Brandon, this is what we're all about this year. Hashtag MFFA. Yeah. Um, What's your perspective? You try, a lot of people made a move like this. They brought in Bruno yeah. or Rashford. Many people burned four to do it. Um, a lot of I've seen a lot of recrimination here, and you know we're not really the like put you on the psychologist corner podcast. Uh, yeah. But you know what would your you you and I have both been in those situations before? Um, yeah. You know how, what would you say to somebody who did something like that this game week? Well, I just asked the question. So I'd, I'd talk to John and I'd say, how does it, how does this happen? Not how did you make that transfer, but how did Sun end up scoring four? How did Spurs end up scoring five goals against Southampton? Turn the tables from Spurs to Southampton. And you'll have fun just thinking about being inside of Hassan Hoodle's head right now. What an absolute colossal moron this guy is. Yeah, just yeah. fire this idiot. The high line, it was like after the second goal, stop with the high line. Just it's not working. And I I, I can see how Hassan Hoodle is like, well, we have to keep doing this or else we this won't the, learn how to actually Red Bull, play them. Yeah, it's the Red Bull style, right? It's the yeah. four two two two, And it's like yeah. everyone who comes out of the Red Bull school does this. And like, but apparently like there is a massive learning curve because this is the same team that lost nine nil at home to Leicester last season. Yeah. Was a yeah. That yeah. And they look like total fools. And looking back at that nine nil, uh, loss that they had last season, you have to think about the emotional scars that still exist, uh, on that squad. And I've heard Scotty Parker for Fulham talk a lot about, what was it like dealing with this Fulham team after their humiliating 2018-19 Premier League campaign and right. how he basically had to coach that team not only through a promotion season in the championship, but also coach them basically through not being emotionally scarred by yeah. being whipping boys. And Hassenhudel might think he's training them to be some sort of high-flying uh, high line holding team, but in the mm-hmm. process, he's mentally breaking down his right. team and it's a disaster and Spurs. So, so my response is Spurs were just the beneficiary beneficiary of a bad mistake by Southampton. It could yeah. have, it could have been Chelsea. It could have been United. It could have been any team. What we still know about Spurs, I think coming out of this is that, they're still managed by Jose Mourinho, and he's going to find a way to alienate everyone in that yeah. club. Well, Rest like, assured. Yeah, I mean, I just think you can't be so results oriented. I mean, yeah, the results are so extreme that it makes it seem like you made a a bad decision, but I'm not even sure that it is a bad decision. I mean, yeah, the results are, uh, paint a certain kind of picture. Yes, clearly, um, you know, but. To me, they looked Spurs looked bad. They looked bad in game week one uh, at home to Everton. Um, yeah, Sun was active, but that team did not look like they were capable of scoring three goals in a match, let alone five. You know, let alone sort yeah. of this, this dominating performance. They played away on Thursday in the Europa League, and they barely won that match. You know, it took two late late goals in that match to win. You know, this is their third match in eight days. They did not look like a team that was at all impressive going into that match. Man United have played 
incredible, especially at home this this last season. They mm-hmm. were playing a Crystal Palace team that was playing like their ninth and tenth choice center backs. It was like going to that match, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I cannot believe I don't have a Man United player because they were playing Sako, who like just came back from from injury and, yeah, and Kuyate. And Kiyatu is not even a center back, right? Yeah. I was like, this is going to be like destruction. Like there's you, like, you know, yeah. I don't care how much they like, you know, park the bus or whatever cliche you want to use. Like there was no, there was no way that Man United were going to score three in that match. And, you know, so it's, yeah, the, sometimes the results make it look like you made a bad decision, but often you didn't <laughs> or yeah. you just got unlucky or whatever. I mean, this is fantasy sports. Like it's not like, you know, there's some Nostradamus figure who actually knows the results of these matches, you know, yeah. they just, they, they haven't been played, you know? So all you can do is, is make a reasonable assumption and, and, you know, hope that, hope that it works out. I mean, that's, yeah. it's kind of that simple. And, uh, you know, and so I don't really know. I mean, like, yeah, I, I would feel bad too, but I also just feel like there's a lot of people right now who are, you know, taking this a little, it's probably because we're all home, right? And we're like, we're just not going out and doing as much stuff. And like, it's sort of this, like the professionalization of fantasy sports or something has made everybody treat this like a much bigger deal than it is. And yeah, yeah, I love fantasy sports too. Obviously we've done 250 episodes of this podcast, but you, you know, you have to keep things in perspective here. I mean, we're, you know, it's a 20 point swing out of a season where you're probably going to score about 2,250 points, right? It's less than 1% of the number yeah. of points you're going to score this season, it's nothing. It really isn't. And so I think that's, you know, that's something you really have to keep in mind. Well, and, and it's the story of my game week too, where John says, I got the decision wrong and I'm getting punished for it. In my game week two transfers, I got the decisions right and I still got punished for it. I ended up burning four to bring in an Everton and a Leeds player. That's a combined nine goals that Everton and Leeds scored, five and four. And Mm -hmm. I managed to bring in a combined three points between Lucas Dean and Jack Harrison. And it had to sting. Yeah, it it, it did sting. Um, The the Dean one... uh, Probably, well, I don't know. The Dean one I actually feel better about because I caught a price rise and Dean is a player that I think I want to hang on to sure. uh, even Hit through the a wild card. Yeah, right. And, you know, he's he's taking his set pieces. He's doing his FPL thing. Jack Harrison was just very peripheral in that very odd leads Fulham match. But, yeah. you know, it's very easy to read the game uh, in a way that uh, – works for your FPL team and still not walk away with any FPL points. FPL is just absolutely crushingly cruel to people (laughs) who are real fans of football and know how to read the game. It is not, it doesn't mean you're a bad football watcher. I always think about this quote from, from Michael Shore, who is this, the creator of big sports fan in America, creator of the office and parks and rec, I guess, co-creator of the office parks and rec, the good place, a bunch of other shows. Um, massive uh, Boston sports fan. Uh, but he was once talking to somebody and, they, and somebody said, well, why don't you, you're a huge sports fan. Why do you do fantasy sports? And he's like, you ever seen anyone who plays fantasy sports? They're always miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so true. And it's like, yeah. it's part of the misery is part of the fun, but you do have to remember that it's, that's that the misery is, is part of it. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, just, it's the escape, you know, I mean, the misery to me that I don't mind if it makes me miserable as long as it doesn't like start to interfere with the rest of my life. But, um, yeah. you know, a little bit of misery is kind of fine because it's all part of the game of it, you know, and, um, That's what makes was, the joy yeah, even yeah. more explosive, exactly, much like exactly. a goal being exactly. scored. You, you yeah. know, you sometimes you wait 90 minutes for that 
uh, yeah. decisive goal to be scored, it makes it all the sweeter. And maybe you're going to yeah. finish on a 200K rank or even, you know, 2 million rank. As long as you have that one or two moments this season where you explode with emotional joy, it will happen and it'll be yeah. worth it. Yeah. And then go on and go on Twitter and, 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 you know, and share <laughs> the word yeah. or go wherever, go to Reddit, you know, go to, go tell everybody. All right. Call so I, I, I said we were going to do psychology. I guess we, we a little bit slipped in there. Let's take a very quick break. And then Brad, and I, we're going to do some wild card talk. Okay. Great. Brandon, before we do the wild card talk, uh, a quick shout out. We we've been trying to move these a little further into uh, the pod, uh, possibly a little a little too far. Last time, uh, it was like ninety minutes in. Uh, but just a, a quick note: if you want to say uh, thanks and support the cheaters, go to Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating. All of our Patreon supporters get uh, access to our Slack, our upcoming Harvey Milk Mustache Cup. Brandon, mm-hmm. you and I had like some proper, like in-depth conversations about this cup. Uh, yeah. It's launching in game week five. So keep your eyes out for the Harvey Milk Mustache Cup. They get the Week in Review newsletter, which I have to say, of all of our Patreon features, that seems like the one that's almost the most popular right now, this, this mini league mate feature. Uh-huh. Everybody loved getting this. It's a weekly newsletter that all of our Patreon supporters receive. Tells you who did well, who did poorly. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, Brandon posts that on the Patreon page, and then you'll just get that in your inbox, on your email yeah. inbox. Patreon supporters at the Lord Sorloth level and up get access to a bonus podcast every week. Uh, we've already done, I think, four or five of those uh, this yeah. season and then yep. in the preseason. Uh, and I think we're going to work at some guests and things like that as well. Um, and then at the highest tiers, you get our new Make Fantasy Fun Again t-shirt. A uh, quick shout out to our new patrons this week, uh, Rebrecht Dems, David Fletcher, Brian Tierney, Joshua Wilson, George Kenny, Jamie Pham. A.A. Ron Johnson, Joseph Valdez, Paul Robertson, uh, the Pookie tier, uh, Michelle Nimesto, and Jord the Gamer. Thank you to our newest patrons, Brandon. All right, yeah, once again, that's patreon.com slash always cheating. And a quick word for our great friends at Fantasy Football Hub, fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. Listen, this is your one-stop shop for all things FPL related. You can read, listen to, and watch videos from the greatest minds managing today. They're sharing their teams. Great game week team reveals just before the deadlines. Really helpful to see where a lot of these people are at heading into the weekend. All those thoughtful videos and articles that can help frame your thinking. Also, access just all the straight data. If you don't want to go into the herd mentality, copy somebody else's team, Fantasy Football Hub has the data to just help you make your own decisions. That includes real Opta stats and easy-to-use tools that synthesize those stats for you. So if you want to check out the Hub, visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always and visit that site to get 15% off whichever tier you choose. Yep, and I'll, I'll just add that I um, have never been like I, never, I actually had never really read a lot of the team reveal articles and i um, just started doing it this season and i i really do find it helpful i think it's really useful to um you know i i, I wouldn't even say copying but just like just popping in there just to see what uh how people are thinking and in their transfer decisions and it actually got me um sort of going back in our slack too and using uh um, and talking to people on there about um, about strategy and just sort of like, right, like sometimes you actually like they're, they're, we talked about the herd mentality earlier, but sometimes you do just need someone else's perspective uh, yeah. on, on transfer. So 
Again, fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always for 15% off whichever tier you choose. Brandon will be right back with Wildcard Talk. Brandon, we're back. Wildcard Talk. Two questions to kick things off. FPL Mikey says, I've seen a lot of wildcards activated. Are people being too impatient? Francis says, seen a lot of managers not wildcarding. Are people being too passive? <laughs> Which is it, Brandon? This is you. You are now the you are now the yeah. the uh the the emblem of of what a wildcard manager yeah. looks yeah. like. So what how are you feeling about things? Well, uh all respect to Francis and Mikey, who I who I love and cherish, but the way these questions are phrased is very revealing is they want to know, are other people being too passive? Are other people doing being too patient? There's a lot of concern about what other managers are doing. And mm-hmm. Hmm. the wild card to me is just a stark analysis of my personal team. Right. Um, and I, yeah, of course we want to warn people of being impatient see a lot of rate my teams uh, around the slack from our supporters and they say, I'm thinking about wildcarding and you say, whoa, step back. Actually, your team looks pretty good. So there is, and I don't know if I can put my finger on what the difference is between the two teams. Maybe you can help me with that, Josh. But there are teams where you say, step back. Actually, your team is pretty good. Maybe you're a minus four away from something that makes you feel really comfortable going into game week three. And then there are teams where, uh, I would classify my team as there's just no structural integrity. I've got it wrong. It was pretty clear in game week one that something was off kilter yeah. and I tried to repair it going into game week two with a minus four. And that, that, that almost made it more revealing the, uh, imbalance yeah. in my team. So I what think, do you think, what do you think happened? Do you think that, um, I mean, you know, how do you how do you end up in a position like I mean I honestly I may end up having a wild card now too because I've got a bunch of same maximum injury and and uh, Basuma red card just ugh, like it's so annoying um, so I mean like what do you think do you think that you were just um, that you weren't prioritizing correctly do you think that the game because I think this is useful for people who are still on the fence about a wild card like do you feel like um, there are players who have revealed themselves who you really want. Or, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like it's the other way around, which is that you just don't like your team. You just don't like how things are looking <laughs> moving forward, and it's just time to yeah. get out some of the, some of the, you know, sweep out the rubbish. Well, I think that that's another way to look at it. Is is it the players in your squad, or is it the teams represented in your squad? And what I got wrong going into game week one was just representing the wrong teams in my squad. And I think a point that we need to talk more and more about throughout the course of the season. And uh, was it uh, Fabio Borges uh, who talked about this on his Meet the Manager article in Fantasy Football Scout of just not having players on bottom half of the table teams. And I overrepresented those players in my game week one squad. And I think I blew it in over prioritizing having two 12 million midfielders on my team. And that caused me to focus too much on too many bargain assets to make that work. And okay. uh, so St. Maximin, uh, one that both burned us, Mitrovic sure. delivered on a brace in game week two. And this is one that I've just like recalibrated my thought, like Mitrovic is doing exactly what we all predicted he would do. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, that's good. But what we didn't anticipate 
was how precarious Fulham as a full as an entire team was going to look. Did you, and, by the way, just a quick side note? Did you know that he called a penalty on the pitch? Because it was uh, th- that first pen. I I could not. Oh, yeah. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, it was yeah. weird because everyone like lined up for a corner, and I was like, wait, was that foul in the box? You know, like yeah. it was like this weird moment. You're like, I think that's a penalty. It was it was very, very and, and and it wasn't like the ref was mysterious about it. The ref even pointed to the spot, and I think that's actually pretty damning of Fulham. That is how disengaged the majority <laughs> of players on Fulham are right now. And I spent I spent some time last week saying. Listen, save your hot takes on Fulham for a month from now, but it's not looking great here. No. So uh, I wondered how I wonder if you'd lean into that if you'd if you'd walk away. I mean, you were impassioned last week. <laughs> I was impassioned. I was impassioned. So you know, and the even even Leeds, like I uh, and I think there is a way into Leeds for people looking for fourth midfielders or third strikers, but it was. The Leeds, Newcastle, Fulham representation, Southampton, two Southampton players. Mm-hmm. Ings, you're out of here. Uh, three, three Southampton players. We've already talked about Hassan Hoodle and about how he is uh he's lost his mind. Mm-hmm. Um and Obamiang already had to go. And structurally, there are two things that are glaring that are missing from my current squad. And there are two teams that I would say em- are emblematic of what we want out of FPL. And we're avoiding players on bottom half of the table, table teams, good players and bad teams. We're avoiding them. Also a, a an under the radar concern or a, a too much talked about concern is mm-hmm. rotation. What are your friends in FPL? They are top half teams who are who are surging, who do not have European commitments and are priced in the mid range. And that's Everton and Wolves. And, mm-hmm. you know, very curious to see how Wolves look against Manchester City. But I think right now what's painfully clear to a lot of managers is Wolves and Everton are where you need to be putting a ton of your resources because these squads without a without commitments that a lot of the top six teams are going to have are just going to be delivering fpl points and consistent team sheets week after week and mm-hmm. i would need to load up on them so uh that that's been my focus and my aim in restructuring during the wild card yeah i, th- I think that makes sense i think um yeah the everton thing that was where i ultimately and because i was i was really thinking about greenwood uh versus uh james rodriguez for my game week two transfer, if I, if I even, I, I also thought I might just keep Bowen and, and go Ings to um, Martial, which geez, I'd really be, that's like a 20 point swing right there. Um, so I think that the, yeah, I think you're right. When it comes to Everton, we now, and, and maybe we should have been a little more inclined to think about this going into the season. Cause Ancelotti is just like a real, it's a world-class manager. And I think him being there allowed them to recruit some massive talent. And I think we now, yeah, the the rule about not having players on really bad teams or not overloading on players for bad teams is just a really strong rule and one that maybe you and I did slip away from a little bit when picking some of our players. But um, I think that we can now, but that's that's really bottom half. I mean, I think you know it's you can't just have a team full of top four players and what you want are those players like you said who are just kind of below that, yeah. um, especially if they don't have European commitments. And Everton now look like a team that could could really challenge for. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if a Champions League spot is 
as possible or not. But, you know, maybe it's a, maybe they're a fifth place club this year. Like if Everton finished fifth right now, I would, that would not be surprising to me um, very much at all. I th- their defense, I'm still a little not sure about. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Lucas Dean is a great fantasy asset, but um, some shaky moments uh, for sure in, yeah. that, in that West Brom match. So, yeah, I think I think you're right to, to, to be looking there. I mean, it's a great rule in general in football, right? Like this is why you always want to try to get um, a team like Chelsea when they occasionally finish in like 11th place the season before um, because it's a really talented team, but they don't have to play all these European matches. Yeah, right. So there's a lot of bargain hunting in FPL. And I think what and and a reason why a lot of people trigger early wild cards is it's easy to get drawn in and bargain hunting and it's even easier to get it wrong. All right. So that brings us to Boston Prof's question. Imagine we were starting all over again, going into game week three. And again, we don't know what Man City is going to look like tomorrow. So maybe they get a little move to the side for a second, but let's talk about your wild card. What does your team look like now that you have a chance to start completely fresh? You have to go player by player, but just who are the players that you've really prioritized on this wild card? Well, yeah, I'm doing the thing right now that is a very in the weeds, uh, nerdy manager to do where, uh, I'm just pre triggering the wild card button, just bringing in a bunch of players where I think their prices are going to rise with the hope that, and I think Rodriguez and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are two of these players where they'll probably price rise at least 0.2, where you would mm-hmm. actually make money just in the midst of a wild card. But that's kind of a that's an unproductive way of thinking because Rodriguez and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are pro- are likely players that you're just going to keep on a wild card. So right. why are you bothering? Like all the players that are skyrocketing in price, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I mean and just to underline the fact that I'm not trying to chase last week's points i'm not trying to chase players here um, you do have son kane rodriguez no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well no i i think that's a good point spurs are not on my radar at all and uh to go back to what we were saying about southampton i don't really know that we know anything else about spurs after that performance and i'm yeah. still not interested and also those players are just too expensive i think i'm gonna end up back in square one so Jimenez and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are A-plus priorities for my wild card um, for the, all the reasons that we expressed. And uh, in the midfield, Salah stays. James Rodriguez, 7.5, as you've, have you've, as you've already experienced, Josh. This is A-plus value. Uh, and the defense gets a little tricky because I am trying to grab all of these players from these teams that I want. I'm trying to maximize the wild card. Where does that leave room for Liverpool defense? And even though we saw a clean sheet from Liverpool against Chelsea, uh, Chelsea just uh, self-destructed and kind of handed that clean sheet. Uh, and Allison also saved it for everyone there. So still some question marks about Liverpool's defense, though. Didn't we see this from Liverpool last season, right, Josh? Like everyone was like, let's double Liverpool D, and then we all fell away from it because we were unconvinced. And then yeah. guess what? They like put together 14 clean sheets in the middle of the season. Christensen uh, really is on my negative list right now. And honestly, it has nothing to do with fantasy. It's just I, I was enjoying that match. Like that match felt like it came from like a different season. After all of the craziness of this weekend, the first 40 minutes of that match were pretty 
I thought pretty good, pretty well played. You know, you had um, chances on both sides. I thought Timo Werner looked really interesting. I, I would say that they were about equal in terms of in terms of um, chances, and uh, you know, I didn't feel like Liverpool were dominating certainly, and um, and you know, it just it was kind of a, a bummer that um, that the match really the life kind of got sucked out of it. I thought after that after that red card, I mean, I don't know if you right. disagree, but even those goals scored were just kind of hacked. I mean, the, okay, the first goal was beautiful, but the second one was just like, okay, you know, this is just like silly well yeah the, the less said about keppa the better it's just can you believe keppa's yeah. contract is seven years seven years it's ridiculous it's really I, yeah chelsea are just absolutely screwed it's like beyond mesut ozil levels at this point for them there's no way anyone is buying him so they're just gonna have to eat eat this guy's salary they're for seven to. years and yeah. there's no way they can continue playing him because He's a yeah. disaster. So they've got this new uh, signing that's supposed to. I think it's supposed to happen this week. So I, I think it, I think it'll. You know, he's probably played his last match for the club. Right, right. So I, I think the things that uh, alleviate me of anxiety now playing the wild card, I feel that I don't have to deal with that other managers might be struggling with are Spurs and Manchester United. In and it's kind of the opposite case in each. In that Manchester United. It's not that like, oh boy, they're going to be a terrible team for the rest of the season. Obviously not. Like they have great players. They will produce FPL points throughout the season, but it's going to be a slow start for them. And even if it's not a slow start for them, if suddenly they flip on the switch in game week three, I can come on to that. I just don't think that they're going to be surging going into game week three, which would be the concern for FPL managers who are chasing. That's not a big concern for me. So you're not... um... You, you're not planning to have any Man United players in your um, in your team then? No Man team. United players and no Spurs players for me. I'm not I'm not convinced by what they did to Southampton. The focus for me is two premium assets in the midfield with Salah and either KDB or Sterling. I'm excited to see how Manchester City look against Wolves on Monday. And from there, this is a this was an issue with uh, my midfield. Whereas I I previously is I didn't have a pocket for a seven to eight million midfielder. So you've got Zaha, you know, who probably that ship has probably sailed at this point. I think James Rodriguez is clearly a standout pick there. And I'm excited to have two premiums plus a pocket for a player uh, in James Rodriguez's price tag. And then I feel like that makes me much more flexible in the midfield. So I'm, I'm no, no Manchester United or Spurs in the midfield, nor up front. It looks like I'll be Jimenez, Calvert-Lewin, and a decision I have to make is do I keep Timo Werner? And if West Bromwich Albion didn't look like they have looked the last two weeks, I would just say, you know what, Chelsea are going to need some time, just like Manchester United, to sort this out. But I was convinced enough. Like, Werner struck me as like a one-man wrecking crew against Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Every time he got the ball, he went into what you like to see, just like total athlete brain. And it wasn't like he put his head down Jordan Ayew style, barreling toward goal. He just looked convinced of his ability. And it's, he was ready to shame, do it on his own if he had to. The shame of it is that there was no one to to give the ball to him, right? I mean, yeah. Kai Havertz, uh, again, I guess he looked a little better. I mean, uh, he does not look like he's ready to to be starting uh, for for Chelsea. He just doesn't. And, um, you know, I think with, with uh, Ziyech 
Ziyech, I cannot believe it. Like, thank you. This is this is gonna be my new my new Doherty Doherty, um, and with, with him out and Pulisic out, um, I think the concern with Werner is just is this guy. I don't know. Like, I mean, if he's doing it all, if it feels like he's doing it all himself, I agree. It's like he's he looks great, and and James looks great, and then and then there's like nine other players in the pitch for yeah. for Chelsea, and it's. Um, and Mason Mount looks like he's working hard. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's like a, like super, I'm super impressed with him. Um, you know, so yeah, it really just has been Werner. It feels like just sort of trying to do it all alone. And, um, it's probably a problem with Frank Lampard where he's not had a lot of time with this new squad, lots of new players coming in. It's not going to gel completely, but they get on the pitch. Even the old players like Conte, didn't seem to have a clue as to what his job was against yeah. Liverpool. He, I mean, we've seen him do well. Like he even scored against Liverpool last season, but there was no conceivable uh, yeah. game plan. For he had Chelsea. a moment. He had a moment where he was like five feet in front of goal. He was like in the box, and yeah. he suddenly turned back and like basically booted the ball back for safety. And I was like, right. like as you don't necessarily want you know, your, your midfielder to, to play that safe, uh, to be yeah. like literally in front of goal and decide to uh, boot it out and restart the play. Um, yeah. it was, yeah, it, it, there really didn't seem like they had a number 10, uh, in this match. And, um, that, that's, that's my worry with, with Werner. I mean, obviously I, at the moment I'm not playing a wild card. I, you know, so I'm planning to have him for the U S Brown match. I don't think I would have it in me to talk up to captain him. And we'll talk about that, uh, when we preview game week three, but, yeah, I think it's tricky. I mean, I think um, one one thing that's that's you know um, uh, one thing that you'll have to think about as well is whether you just go ahead and you know whether you give Gabriel Jesus a, drop, a shot because um, now it sounds like Aguero is going to be out for four to six weeks. Yeah, which probably, probably means like three months by Aguero's right, standards. Right. That is true. Aguero's injuries are always over promise, under deliver. Right. That's yeah, that's true. So we'll see when we actually see Aguero again. But I mean, Jesus is available for the same price as Werner. So um, that is uh, I'm not trying to make things overly complicated here, but just I think that is something um, that I I suspect he'll be reckoning with. For sure. For sure. And and that's fine. Like if I reckon with it and I go one way or another, I I just want to stress this because I think a lot of people are going to be anxious over wild cards this week it's okay if you go Werner over jesus or vice versa and you have to switch it up going into game week four the mission of your wild card this week is not to get it 100 right and and correct whatever sins you committed in game week one you're you're just starting to turn the ship around and um i think there is a lot to be said about what uh joe at the scout talks about just in terms of price allocation from your strikers midfielders and to your defense defense like sometimes the wild card is more just to bring balance to your price structure right yeah i i that that is true um and i think that that is something that um um you know i can see why you made the harrison move for example it just you needed to shake things up a little bit in the midfield and i and i and i do i i i think i would have I would be wildcarding um, as well. I think. I mean, our teams aren't that different, but they're different enough that I feel like I like I have Rodriguez already. You know, it's just these little things. I have, I have um, uh, Sace already. You know, those two players alone are almost yeah. enough to to stop 
to stop you from having to, to do that. And um, yeah, oh, I think it's really interesting. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 what I have on the outside now is just a little bit of that. I've got to avoid wildcard FOMO, you know, which is like, <laughs> you know, like somebody, somebody, let's say your co-host on a podcast has a wildcard and you're sort of like, oh, it's like a wildcard. what can I do right now? And well, um, you're in the perfect position. Yeah. And I feel like this happens most seasons, this I wildcard. And then one or two weeks later, you wildcard and you take my wildcard team and basically upgrade it with one or two more weeks of knowledge and right. so so that's we'll see that is yeah. a position of strength as well yeah and i i think i you know burnley look look poor enough that i think i can keep things for another week and uh Werner Mitchell at home um it's it, it's tricky i think um i think if you're on the fence about wild carding my advice is typically to not do it i i don't i i think it's like you said it's you know wild card is not a decision that's made with the rest of with everyone else's team in mind it should be done you know, in a, in a quiet room by yourself in a moment of great <laughs> right, yeah. concentration, sort of like how Newton came up with calculus, you know, it's sort of that same, uh-huh. it's the same yeah. idea. Um, so I think, Sine, cosine. so a couple additional wildcard questions. We, I think we've already talked, there's a question from Pros about which teams we trust. I think we talked about that already. Um, just, just one more, one more question here. Okay. Actually two. One is, are you, um, do, so it's just gonna be one man city player for you. That's how you're feeling right now at the moment on your wildcard. Yeah, I mean, you do, you do bring up Jesus. I will 100% have a Manchester City midfielder alongside a Liverpool midfielder. So um, it, it's weird that I can downgrade from Aubameyang on Arsenal, who, while Arsenal have looked fine and mm-hmm. Arsenal will do well this season, I can't believe I'm saving money going from an Arsenal midfielder to an elite Manchester city midfielder. That's kind of yeah, bananas totally. to me. Yeah. They can go um, to KDB or, yeah. Yeah. Or Sterling. Yep. So yeah, I'll have at least one, but at most I will have two Manchester city players. I will have zero Manchester United players. I will have zero Spurs players. I will have, I mean, James, I have Reese James in my squad just for price rise purposes. I'm like, he's probably going to be a Liverpool defender at the end of the day. So at most one Chelsea player, which would be Timo Werner if. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's largely focused on Wolves, Everton, Manchester City and Liverpool. Those are my okay. focuses. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that makes sense. I think it also helps to clarify your thinking because if you get to Friday and you look at your team and suddenly you've got you know, I don't know, Ings is back and Egan is suddenly in your team and, you know, Jamal Lewis. And you're like, wait a minute, how did I end up with yeah, Bamford? How did I, this is how I, it's how you end up with a Jared Bowen in your team before game week one. You know, you just start to get in your head about the, the, the game week that's right in front of you. Um, you know, which can be a little scary. Final question. This is an easy one. Um, Mix asks, which goalkeeper would you go for on a wild card? Who's your keeper? Josh, Josh, step into my DeLorean. <laughs> we have to go back to the future. Uh-huh. Um, I was just so dead certain about Matt Ryan before the season. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I was just like scoreboard, scoreboard, look at the stats. That's my guy. He's my, you know, to use the Australian parlance is my mate. Uh-huh. And um, I ended up being a total chump and going for McCarthy. Now I, now I'm not saying while Brighton kept a clean sheet uh, in game week two over uh, Newcastle, therefore 
Brighton, Matt Ryan, legends yeah, since you the new to, Nick Pope. You don't need the caveat. They, they, <laughs> even in even their loss to Chelsea, they're like more confident yeah. than, but, than, than Southampton has. I think the thing to say here, though, for people shopping for goalkeepers is look at these score lines in game week two. Absolutely bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S, uh, however you spell that word. Mm-hmm. Goals are flying in. I am not spending any money on goalkeepers. Yeah. There is not one moment where I'm like, well, maybe I can upgrade to a 5 million goalkeeper. Yeah. So yeah. that's just kind of where I'm at. It's it's a small pool of candidates for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I, I guess, you know, the one, um, you know, the one keeper that I would be maybe a little tempted by, and if he was 5 million instead of 5.5, um, I'd really consider it. And that would be Rui Patricio. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I really do believe in Wolves' defense. I think they may, outside of Liverpool, have the best defense in the Premier League this season. Um, but yeah, at five point five million, it does feel like a lot of money. And honestly, you might want those three spots for 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 your team. You know, like you may you may want a Wolves defender, uh, you know, Jimenez, and then and then a Wolves midfielder as well, right? I mean, you know, Potts and and others um, are are you know even even Triore, I think is especially if they once they solve this right back issue which is yeah, still kind right. of up in the air um you know i think once that happens the trailer moves further ahead he, you know at 6.5 million he really could end up being a, a you know pretty good deal um i i don't know what happened this summer with his manage minutes but i think I, I do think long term he's a pretty pretty assured starter in that side okay so that's my wild card uh i will be updating uh on our patreon slack and uh we'll We'll talk more about this on our kitchen table session later in the Perfect. week. That sounds good. All right. So let's take a quick break and then we're going to look at, we're going to answer five questions about game week three. Brennan, this is the new, the new format. All right. Five questions about the upcoming game week answered in a second. All right, gang, even though sports had a break, your business didn't, you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. None like other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30. Brandon, the wait is finally over. Football of all yes. stripes. Of all stripes. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. You've heard us talk about them already. Bet Online is going the extra mile, though, Brandon, to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. 
all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, Brandon, your online sportsbook experts. Nice. Brandon, we're back. Game Week 3 kicks off on Saturday. Another very spread out Game Week 3. Uh, 10 matches at 10 different time slots. Brandon, say goodbye to your family once again because you were about to spend... It was funny. We actually met up this yeah. afternoon. Our, yeah. our, our, we did a little little hang in, in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And and I, was, I asked your wife, I said, well, I mean, how many matches does he watch? And she said, hmm, all of them. He watches every single one, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, that's what I, like, that's what I figured." Uh, you know, and it was it was yep. she's she's actually been freaked out by this new season because there was a Saturday kickoff, late kickoff, three yeah. p.m. on yeah. the East Coast, and uh, eight an eight p.m. Greenwich Mean Time kickoff here, and she's like, yeah. "It's still going. Like you got yeah. up before I did, and it's still going." So <laughs> this whole broadcast schedule is intense for uh, people with families. It's very, it's intense for everybody, I think. And yeah, um, I, I have, I, I will say after the summer, I've kind of learned, you know, um, you know today I started watching the uh, Newcastle Brighton match and 20 minutes in, I was like, this is bad. I don't need to watch this at all. Yes. And even though I didn't have plans to leave the house or anything, I just turned off the TV. I was like, I don't need, mm-hmm. I can watch the highlights later. This is not going to be a fun match. I, you know, I, it's, it, I, I knew that Liverpool Chelsea was on in two hours time. I was like, I need to like walk away for a while. Um, so maybe we're all, we all have to learn this as sports fans. I, I, you know, spending 20 hours, this has nothing to do with fantasy. I'm just, I'm just talking right now, but yeah, spending 20 hours a weekend <laughs> watching these matches is, is a big commitment. And so I'm trying to pick my spots a little bit better. Although those Monday matches in game week three look pretty good. All right. So yeah. five questions for game week three. The first one uh, comes from me, Josh Landon. And the question is to you, although I'm going to ask it to myself as well. Yeah. Uh, who is Brandon, your game week three captain? Well, the bus team, I've got the armband on Timo Werner, and mm-hmm. I'm enticed by, you know, whipping boy status at West Brom. But, you know, despite me trying to uh, justify my early wild card and say, well, you know, on on the one hand, we don't know a lot about these teams. On the other hand, do we know stuff? And I'm projecting a lot here. I'm expecting, mm-hmm. oh, well, at some point, it's going to gel for Chelsea, and if not against West Brom, when? I mean, I could fully see this match being a a very tight two one or a, a one nil victory for Chelsea. Yeah. I think or a five West, two. That's anything <laughs> or, or, or that. I, I mean, I feel like there are, West Brom have shown flashes of. I guess we could call it just acquitting themselves well. That's as much as I'm willing to flatter West Brom, even though Slaven Bilic, like what a colossal idiot this guy is he just decides uh whatever we we don't need to talk about the red card he received but like total bonehead guy um the yeah, only the only, Gibbs, that that was an easy red i mean yeah maybe hamas sold it a little bit but i mean oh, he and, just can't and do that billich comes out and says oh, somebody asked him well what were you yelling at mike dean about at, at the halftime whistle and he's like well there was a foul before that happened and so if they would have called that then that would have never he was basically trying to minority report the match and <laughs> thought crime a thought <laughs> yeah. crime had taken place before that red card <laughs> yeah like sorry slavin it doesn't work like that uh right. please get the fuck out of here so um 
I, I think Timo Werner is interesting, but if I were to go somewhere that I felt a little more assured, I think we have to put our money where our mouths are with Wolverhampton and mm. Jimenez against West Ham, I think is my backup option. I think, I, I think that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I, for me, it's, uh, it's Mosala home to Arsenal all the way. Uh, I, until proven otherwise, I'm just going to keep captaining Mo Salah at home to everybody. Um, I don't care who it is. Um, I'm just going to keep doing that, and maybe it will fail occasionally, uh, but most of the time it's not going to. And um, it's sort of like my decision to captain him at game week one. I'm just not going to overthink it. I have Mo Salah. He costs $12 million. Anytime he's at home, I'm going to captain him. And uh, maybe if, you know... Uh, like in game week four, uh, Man City a play away to Leeds. And that, in a case like that, you probably have to captain Man City player. Like that's just fantasy intelligence right there, you know. But I think I think in general, I didn't, I didn't even know where Liverpool playing game week four. I'm just saying, you know, what are they what are they playing game week four? Let's just let's just do a little uh, let's do a little <laughs> hunt here, Brandon. Liverpool play away away to Aston Villa in game week four. That's pretty mm, tempting too. Yeah, um, but that's that that's where it is. And I'm not even gonna like throw any other rationalization other than that i just rate him highly unusual match for him uh the weird moment you you could tell how like how little they were worried about losing that match that they just oh he openly fought with trent about a free kick like so embarrassing like what are you what are you guys doing you know it was like it's so weird like an open you know they they, like like, they cover their mouths or something in this case there is there is a feeling of the inmates running the asylum. You were talking last week about uh, Mane missing a golden opportunity and he and Salah just like laughing about it. Yeah. Uh, like they thought it was hilarious. And that was the same thing with Salah and Trent over that free kick. They were openly fighting. They both looked over to, you know, parent teacher Jurgen Klopp, like, okay, who gets to take yeah. it? And it was just like, they don't yeah. care. Like, and then do, rolled... are, are they expecting to win anything this season? It's unclear. <laughs> and then he rolled the ball to to Trent, but he rolled it like way too fast. So Trent had to like like hurry and like it was like nothing was going like five miles per hour. You know, like it was you know it was not like a, like a gentle roll. It was like you know if you watch the replay of it, it was like well there was no no one could score a free kick. I, you know I don't know it was just silly. Um, the whole thing was just kind of absurd. But I still think they can score goals. Um, and uh, I think Arsenal will try to win that match. And so I think that. Um, you know, I, the situation with Chelsea was that it was kind of a little surprising. It probably speaks to Chelsea being kind of, uh, as, as we talked about earlier, like a little in between what, not a little bit of an identity crisis or something. Right. I mean, not even having us play And I felt like they were honestly, um, maybe with like 10 minutes left, they made more of an effort, you know, around the time Werner won that penalty, but it didn't really feel like they were trying to win. It was, you know, there was, I don't know. It's just strange. I mean, normally, especially when a team's at home, even even when it goes, when you're down a man, you you do fight a little more. Maybe it speaks to not having that number ten or something. But it just felt like um, they were like, all right, let's just get out of this match losing as by as few goals <laughs> as possible. I mean, didn't you feel that way a little bit too? It felt like from yeah forty five to eighty minutes, it was kind of just whatever. It makes you appreciate appreciate the approach from uh, Guardiola and Klopp, where they sign. A great new player like um i mean Naby Keita is not a great example of this but i'm thinking of pulisic last season lampard okay I'm trying to come up with an example as guardiola or Klopp. but the idea <laughs> of it's gonna take you like a month into the season before you've been reprogrammed you understand the system that the team's yeah. gonna play and then you fit in and 
I don't know if it's just because of injury or if there's pressure from the money spent, but Lampard is just like, I'm throwing new players in and there's no chemistry of any kind. And I'm just hoping they figure it out. I'm not seeing yeah. a lot of guidance happening from the sideline. And I think it's going to take them a while to develop any sort of cohesion at Chelsea. Yeah. And like, what's, what's up with Giroud? Like he's not injured, right? Like, the guy was so good last season and Werner has a lot of experience playing on the left, like, like behind, behind a, a proper forward. And I, I don't really know why I would be shocked if they didn't come up with a two forward system in, in game week three, a way to, a way to West Brom. And I, I don't know if it's Giroud just isn't getting any minutes at all. Did this guy score like the last nine matches or something he played last season? I felt like he was, it's awesome. Just, it's, so it's a little. It's odd. the age old story with Giroud. It's always like, what's the story with him? Every time you play him, uh, he does a job, and even if it's not a goal scoring job, Giroud virtually always helps whatever team he's playing yeah. for. Yeah. Whether it's France or Arsenal or Chelsea, he always helps. He never hurts. And yeah. the fact that it's just uh, Frank. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, if you're in Frank's position, you would see an opportunity. That's a great way to ease Werner into the league. Yeah, just give yeah. a put a big tree up front to to just totally lay waste especially, to other defenders and help him. Especially someone like Giroud, who you know is is a he is a, a complete forward, right? I mean, he is you know, I mean, it's not Firmino in terms of his tracking back, but he can you know he can knock a ball down. He's unselfish he you know mm-hmm. it seems like he, yeah like you said he's a perfect companion i mean i don't know maybe maybe tammy could could be that too um but i don't know it's just it's just strange it feels like they're like um not really trying to win early on so much as they're trying to like figure out the best combination i don't know it feels like there should be like they should be a little more pragmatic in their approach yeah. I, I don't know but that's you know that's just where what do you think about is. okay so I'm, I'm compelled by your Salah argument for captaincy, and I think we can round out this captaincy discussion just by talking about City real quick. Now, assuming City doesn't walk onto the pitch against Wolves and just all the players explode into uh, into red red mist <laughs> sure. or something like yeah, that. But yeah. um, Leicester's defense ain't great, uh, and they're hosting them in game week four. Will yeah. they be the uh, emerge as one of the favorite captaincy choices in game week four? Yeah. Well, um, probably. Yeah, probably. They probably should be. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, so I, I think I just, I just want to wait until I see how they look tomorrow before I really, yeah. I mean, I, like you said, it's hard to imagine that it's anything other than a, I don't know. I mean, it could be, you know, I don't want to get too into matches that'll be played nearly by the time a lot of people are listening, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little rusty tomorrow, much like Van United were over the weekend. Uh, it's part of the reason I went with Saez over uh, over Ben Davis, which so far looks good because I'm on one point from Davis, but we'll see. I mean, Man City could certainly score four goals tomorrow too. So yeah, I think that they're, they're a contender as well. Um, I think that that's, that's the question that you and I can revisit on the uh, Patreon pod. Uh, in a couple days. So a uh, question from Nick Wright. And uh, he says, uh, which bandwagon do you think is a sell slash avoid? Uh, which faller do you think is a buy? So I feel like we've talked a little bit about bandwagons already, but I think the faller question is interesting because a lot of players, there are a lot of very good players who've already fallen in price uh, so far in the season. And um, is there anybody that just, you know, I don't know how much thought you've given to this question already, but is there anybody who has, who has already dropped in price that you think is, um, 
um, you know, an interesting candidate, like somebody that you might, if not bring in your wild card, that you're certainly sort of watching to see, um, you know, to, to sort of see how they perform. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the the fallers have been pretty justified. Uh, I, I was I was very interested to see that Saka earned a start and uh, played so many minutes in game week two after not getting any shine. And Arsenal also having a midweek match coming up. And I think if if Saka were to be a player that had consistent minutes, I'd say he's a great He's a great player at 5.5, but that's just never going to be the case. Yeah, Brendan, a couple more that stand out to me are um, Ziyech and uh, Pulisic, uh, who both have already fallen for for Chelsea. I mean, you know, once once Ziyech comes in, he's exactly the kind of player that they really need right now. So uh, he'll be sub 8 million when he comes back in, which is really, really wow. quite a nice price. And so yeah. uh, once once James Rodriguez gets his first injury of the season, that's going to be a kind of a perfect... A <laughs> his perfect first and not his last. <laughs> I mean, I hope he stays healthy. I've got him on my team right now. Yeah. and he looks He looks awesome, but... I was talking about him in just a second here. Um, I, you know, another, uh, so I think, yeah, and obviously in pools like two, um, you know, 8.4 million, uh, but he's a 10 million level player when, uh, when, when fit and fire. I mean, he, uh, he had moments in the summer where he looked like an absolutely essential uh, fantasy prospect. So, um, and, you know, maybe I'm a little biased as an American, but I think even, even the English uh, would agree with me on that, Brandon. Um I would also look to uh, to Leeds United, and um, it's kind of amazing. There's just a wealth of of interesting options uh, on that Leeds United team, and uh, Rodrigo is a player who has already fallen in price. And I think that a lot of that is, you know, I, I get it because um, if you are if you weren't following things too closely, you may not know that um, the Bielsa takes you know a month or so to to really get his players into the system. Like he does not pull a Frank Lampard and just drop people in right away. Right? It takes. Uh, a little more time for for them to get um, for them to get acclimated to his system, and so that's why we've seen uh, Rodrigo get you know 28 minutes in game week one and 45 minutes in, in game week two. But I think that um, in a couple of weeks, I think Rodrigo is going to be a sub six million forward. This is the starting forward for the Spanish national team, and he's going to be available on what looks like a very attacking Leeds United team for under six million. Uh, so I think maybe starting around game week six when they have a run where they play, um, they actually kind of a tricky start for them in general. Um, although, you know, I mean, they've, they've already put three past Liverpool. So, I mean, clearly maybe we shouldn't be so, so worried about, uh, how they look, but, uh, you know, they, they have like a little run of, of, of decent matches starting in game week five, uh, but getting especially good in game week six. So, um, he's just one that I would, I would keep an eye on a little yeah. bit, um, a little off the radar okay. I think now. All right. The next question here comes from, uh, Dave Newell, who wants to know is Hamas Rodriguez a cut price KDB. I, I feel like Hamas reminds me a little bit more of Bruno, but then I have to stop mm. and think, is there a difference between any of these players? Right. Uh, I don't know. I was really, um, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, other than he looks awesome. I, I kind of went into him signing, not really knowing what, to expect um you know i sort of felt like maybe he was slightly overrated and i think i just wasn't thinking about that the right i don't know it's sort of i just i hadn't put all the pieces together i was sort of in general i when a team signs a kind of slightly older you know he's 29 
player who hasn't really hacked at the, the at the you know the very top teams and uh, you know there's always there's always some exclamation there's always some reason why you know um but often there's they they it doesn't really work you know when, when you slot him in and with James it's it's kind of the opposite I don't know if it's because he's with Ancelotti I don't know if it's because there are no fans in the stands and it gives him a little time to 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 get acclimated I don't you know whatever the factor is he looks incredible he really does and um and he looked that way in the spurs match and that's that's it was the it was a real eye test move for me i mean he also created i think created five chances in that spurs match uh mm-hmm. but you know it was, it was that and then just you know, obviously playing west brom at home everything sort of clicked to make it make him a really um good pick for game week uh game week two but then watching the match i thought well geez this guy i mean honestly he should have done even better than a, than a goal and an assist. He could have had multiple additional assists in that match. I mean, you know, if um if Richarlison doesn't scuff uh what became uh DCL's second goal. I mean, that never really should have been a goal for Richarlison. He kind of he's didn't he's play. had horrible finishing to start the season with Yeah, weirdly but yeah, he looks incredible. Richarlison looks awesome, but it's yeah, his the finishing has been poor. I mean, everything but the finishing has been good, but um yeah, what do you have three assists uh in in Saturday's match? Um, so I think, um, I mean, cut price Katie, I mean, yeah, I mean, viewed through that lens as a cut price KDB. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll agree with that. That's, he's probably on pens too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like, I think that's shorthand, whether it's a cut price KDB or, or whatever, it's just shorthand for this guy is an FPL asset. He's an FPL stud. He does a little bit of everything and there will be weeks where he does a lot of everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that makes him a, a great prospect. Totally we're agree. Both, yeah. That we're both in agreement there. It's, it's fun. It's fun this season. There are, there are, there are way too many good players for, for 11 spots, um, for 11 starting spots. It's, it's really, um, it's very cool. I mean, I, I don't remember, I mean, this is kind of off. To, I don't want to get too off topic here, but I just can't remember there ever being so many interesting players to have. I mean, you probably think about this in your wildcard right now, but I feel like I could have an 11 that I really liked um, on a wild card and I could pick 11 different starters uh, on a wild card and, and yeah. really like that version of my team as well. We are so far from big at the back and not just because teams apparently can't defend anymore, but it is we have money that we need to be spending in the midfield and the forward slots more yeah. than we have in a long time. So I'm with you. It's fun. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it makes it makes it just I mean, I know like from a purist standpoint, you know, these four three leads Fulham is is not a beautiful match order, but from fantasy perspective, it was a blast. I that that, that Mitchell header, I was like, oh, just like oh, give it to me. Um I'm not gonna say injected my veins, Brandon. That's not me. That's a cliche that I'm not gonna do. <laughs> you're you're but not I an could. intravenous drug user. I recognize that it's there as as a cliche that I could have used. All right, yeah. two more questions. Uh Kira says uh, with so many players getting big returns for running exciting new options, how patient can we afford to be with big ticket assets who aren't returning? And I'm thinking here specifically of Timo Werner, who um, has one assist, should have, should have had two, um, probably should have been able to take that penalty himself. Um, so, Thank God Jorginho yeah. finally had one of his stupid, like, hopping penalties finally blocked. Like, just like sort credit of. to yeah. credit to Allison, just obviously being brilliant and yeah, and uh, knowing what kind of BS was heading his way. But like, I'm done. I'm done with these fancy Dan penalties. Let's let's abolish them. Just yeah, I mean, what what did Mitchell do? He just stepped up there and even you know the keeper get <laughs> the keeper guessed right and didn't matter because he hit it so hard. You know that's what yeah, Salah does too. The power of Serbia was behind him. <laughs> well, just just 
just hit it hard, right? It's it's so hard to. I mean, I feel like Bruno usually does this too, or it's just like yeah. if you just hit it hard. You know, it's gonna be hard. Well, to Bruno stop Bruno either. does do the Jorginho hopping yeah, stuff yeah. too. That nonsense, but he's yet mm. to miss one. He will though. Yeah, not as bad as Pogba though. All right. Anyway, so um, <laughs> all right, we've got. Uh, yeah, I guess we didn't actually answer the question, but I think it's I think it's really I, I'm thinking in many ways all of the big players have delivered now. I mean, even even you know I, I'm trying to. I, it's hard to, is with Salah scoring today. It's hard to think of anybody. I mean, I think of Mane, Mane with Mane scoring today. Or, you mean yeah, excuse right? Me, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Maybe a bombing's yeah. been a little disappointing. Werner, you know, a little bit. I I think that's right. It's less at this stage with the big ticket players it's less how have they returned and it's more how have they looked and how have their teams looked and obama the the plan to dump obamiang in game week three has actually come together perfectly because even though arsenal have have put their results together their attack has been it's it's been shapeless at times it's not been uh, it just hasn't been as cunning as I want it to yeah. be for a 12 million asset. So, you know, yep. it, uh, it's it's less about how many results did Aubameyang get. It's where that there's no value there. And I was really bummed out when Tierney uh, was injured early in, in the lead up because um, Kolosnik was awful, I thought, in that match. He was, yeah, he was he invisible, kept, uh, to, to be kind. He kept rolling the ball. These passes that were so slow, they kept getting intercepted. It was like he would just sort of gently like telegraph the pass. It was, yeah, that was, that was not fun. Yeah. So I, I think that if you, if you have these big ticket premium players where their teams are least look like they have potential, then that gives you some confidence to hang on. Uh, it's like, then, then Spurs just defies all of that. Uh, much, much, much thanks to Haas and Hoodle. All right. Final question uh, comes from producer Matt, and I think it's really relevant with uh, with Spurs playing Newcastle at home. And we have talked about this a little bit already, but uh, producer Matt says, can you please help our FPL population keep a cool head about Sun? So it was it was a no training chance. match for him. It yeah. was a training yeah. match for him. He all he, he it was basically just you do this in FIFA every single time. You're like smash that triangle button for the through ball. Uh I th- our friend James Alcott from that FPL show was praising Harry Kane's vision for that Spurs match. And I'm thinking, what vision? Kane was told, dink the ball. Just dink the ball, find a gap, and just dink it. So, he, he, and he wasn't even looking <laughs> most of the time you know, he was like, passing to Sun. Yeah. I and, that was impressive. It was like, I, yeah. All right. I, I mean, like, impressive. I couldn't do it. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I couldn't do it. But the <laughs> yeah. gap was so big. The gulf between the Southampton line and McCarthy, you know, twiddling his thumbs back in his, his uh, six-yard box was astronomical. So I just think Sun was – God, I'm trying not to sound super negative with him, but I just do not feel like that was – uh, a powerful mm. performance by Spurs. Yeah, I, it was a weird one. It just was a weird one. I, I agree. I, 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 it was like a thirty-minute. Honestly, it was the whole second half. The whole second half, you you would have thought they were up two men. I mean, it was it was so 
dominant. And but yeah, I think you have to go with what we've seen this summer, what we saw their first two matches, if you include the Europa League. Um, it's not that I'm dismissing this match entirely. It was an impressive performance, but uh, I'm with you. I and I, I, you know, maybe Newcastle losing so poorly at home to um, to Brighton will actually make things tougher too, because I think they now are going to have to play a little bit, a little bit better defensively, and and you know, and really be conscious of not getting quite as exposed as they were in the first 10 minutes at home to Brighton. I mean, that was just a, I don't know if they like believe their own hype a little bit too much or what. I'm a little surprised that Kellen Wilson did nothing. Um, you know, the truth brand. Yeah. I mean, how, how many pro truth <laughs> words do have we said on this, on this podcast? Too many, too, too many. many. Yeah. And, uh, just, yeah, did not, did not happen. So, um, yeah. And then, um, Andy Carroll got hooked at halftime and it was like, uh, I guess I watched probably the first 35 minutes of that match. And, uh, when I saw that he got hooked, I was like, oh, right. Well, I mean, I honestly didn't remember he was on the pitch. Like, I, I can't remember even seeing Andy Carroll in that match in the first half. So um, it's a little weird that they bought all these midfielders and they were still trying this two forward lineup. It doesn't really seem like the smartest use of the team. But yeah, there, but, there are some yeah. there are some people out there who put money down on Newcastle getting relegated this season and they were sweating at the end of game week one. They're like, wow, this team might be pretty good. <laughs> So I still think they might be okay. There's new life. There's new life for those people. Yeah, I still think they might be okay. I don't know what the deal is with St. Max. He's got this ankle injury. We'll see if he's ready for this weekend. It's very annoying for me. If if not, I, I may have to burn four. I ugh, I don't know. His tackle um, his yeah. tackle on Lamptey was criminal. I mean, uh, uh, he he just gave a goal away in the first five minutes on one of the laziest <laughs> tackles you'll ever see in the penalty box. Yeah, uh, Lamptey. What a what a what a player. Jeez, he's. He played Remarkable. so hard. <laughs> he yeah. just injured himself. What a legend. Yeah. He looks yeah. so good. He looked so good. Brandon, that's your pod. Uh, good luck to everybody in Game Week 3. Good luck on your wild card. You and I will talk more uh, later on this week when we do our Patreon podcast. Uh, and just, I yeah. guess we'll go right into this. A, a quick one additional shout out for Patreon. Uh, if you want to say thank you for us uh, making this podcast, if you want access to uh, a bunch of bonus features that we that we talked about earlier. If you want to talk uh, fantasy and many other, many, many other things on our Slack, um, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, and uh, we would really, really appreciate it. Brendan, do you want to say a quick thank you to our Patreon supporters? Oh, I'd love to. Thanks to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, DeBig Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner, Lodal. Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forbrick-Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine Lelang, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, FPL Merch, uh, sorry, at FPL Merch, Kerry Swanson, Brandon B., Paul Scanlon, Kieran Screeton, James Hurd, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Producer Matt, Michael Uong, Bruce Kerr, Alper Paxoy, Nicholas Verdonkis, Sam Schauer, Henry Baker and Will Husby and Josh, a special shout out for my friend Mark out there listening. I know he's listening with his dad, Matt. So thanks guys for tuning in. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, if you want to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, uh, that really helps uh, people find the podcast. And that's great because um, um, 
Brendan, I'm, I'm growth obsessed. I just want to start. I want this podcast to be in everyone's ears all the time. Uh, so go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, where you can find us, where you can subscribe, all that stuff. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on social media. Uh, and you can find all that information on alwayscheating.com or just Google us. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in a week. And sad to say, Brandon, that Lord Soloth looks like he's not coming back to Spurs anymore. It looks like he is going <laughs> to sign with uh, with RB Leipzig. Very wow. sad about that, but his his memory will live on forever. I blame Gareth Bale for uh, this tragedy, <laughs> this tragic <laughs> breaking. So you didn't news. even talk about Bale. I say that for next week, I guess. Okay, yeah, let's let's do it. I mean, it's going to be a month before it sounds like it will even be relevant before he can even get on a pitch. So we'll see. True, true. All right, uh, I'll see you in a week. Bye. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.